welcome to 44 at 60. At a business event in early 2019, your host Trevor Lee foolishly agreed to run the 2021 Classic Quarter. A 44-mile ultramarathon on the coastal path from the UK's most southerly point, Lizard Village, to the UK's most westerly point, Land's End. This podcast follows Trevor's progress and will include contributions from seasoned ultra runners who will be offering Trevor lots of top tips and advice as he ventures forth on this ridiculous quest. And the podcast title? Well, it's 44 miles and yes, Trevor has a big birthday in 2021, but he'd rather not say which one it is. Okay, it's time to lace up the running shoes, load up on carbs and gels and get this show on the Cornish Coastal Path. So welcome everybody to this episode of the 44 at 60 podcast. Now on today's show, I've got with me Anna Pascoe. Anna is an ultra runner. She also runs a business called Make Me A Plan. Um, so welcome to the show, Anna. Thanks, Trevor. Thank you for having me today. That's great. Um, now, first thing I need to know is, how long have you been an ultra runner? What got you into ultra running? Well, I think I've probably always had the kind of personality of an ultra runner in terms of you kind of need that determination, stubbornness, not to be defeated by anything. But I actually only did my first ultra in 2015, which was the Black Rat, which is a 50k or 32 miles over on the Roseland Peninsula. Oh, yeah. Great event. I did the White Rat this year and and, and it was my favourite event of the year. And next year I'm going to upgrade to the Red Rat. So you must have done some fairly long distance running before you did the Black Rat though, surely, didn't you? Well, similar to yourself, I started out with the White Rat. uh, So that was my very first ever race on the trail on the coast path. And that was in 2013. And then I did the Red in 2014 and then built up to doing the Black in in 2015. So the 11 mile, the 20 mile, then the 32 mile. Uh, And then... uh, that's a bit of a staple in the Cornish running calendar, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, well, I do now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, my, my little sister then got married in 2016. So I didn't do any of the rat distances that August, but I did can kind of continue to, to try sort of longer runs, start building up mileage, also doing some local road races and marathons and things. Um, and then that enabled me to sort of get ready for going into the super long distances in 2017. Wow. And have you had you always been a runner of some sort or, or I've met some people who like they say, oh, I didn't do any running at school or anything like that when I was younger. And then I just suddenly started. Yes. Yeah, so similar. I didn't really do much running or anything at school or university. I always liked swimming, went to sort of general fitness classes and things like that. But over my 20s, I was a bit of a workaholic. I was also a, a politician in a former life. So that took up a lot of lot of my time in my 20s. And uh, then I turned 30 and thought, I'm going to take a sabbatical, take a bit of time off work, have a think about what I want, you know, the next decade from 30 to 40 to be and decided I wanted to kind of focus a bit more on health and fitness and that um, eventually through friends recommending led to joining a local running club getting involved with trail running as well as road running uh, starting up CrossFit which is my other sport and passion uh, and then um, as I mentioned 2017 was the year that I first started doing the really bonkers things like 24-hour races and 100ks and goodness knows what else so 
this real extreme ultra running, if that's what I can call it, started for you a couple of years ago. So tell me about some of the things you've done in the last couple of years and the adventures you've been on. Sure. So the first um, kind of breakthrough race I had, I suppose, was a 24-hour race up at Tintagel. So you had to um, run up the steps at the castle, go along to Trebarwith Strand, which is about two and a half miles, run up 200 more steps, or 203 to be precise. (laughs) Uh, And then there were a couple of chaps in tents to kind of laugh at you and prod you and say, right, go back to the castle. And that was a five-mile loop of as many loops as you could accumulate over the 24 hours. So uh, I'd I'd kind of, as you mentioned, I run a business called Make Me a Plan. So a lot of people kind of, you know, tease me for being a spreadsheet geek. You know, if I can plan something, I will. So I thought as well as the obvious physical training for something like that, I'd kind of, you know, developed loads of different kind of challenges to practice for being bored, the monotony of doing laps, how to sort of kind of cope when it's, um, you know, three o'clock in the morning and raining and you'd rather be in bed uh, and just approach that with the sort of planning strategy as well as the kind of fitness training. And um, I was sort of unexpectedly first lady and third overall at that race. And that really sort of boosted my confidence to keep doing this kind of thing. So you that you say that was a surprise <laughs> so you hadn't really you, yeah what did you do then tell how many miles did you do at that first event overall? so it was just over 15 laps so yeah about 76 miles in the 24 hours gosh and was that at the time the furthest you'd you'd gone sort of almost non-stop yeah, so that was the furthest I'd done since that 32-mile black rat I mentioned. <laughs> I'd um, I'd done sort of a couple of 30, 35-mile training runs over the build-up to that Tintagel event. Uh, but yeah, that was by far the longest I'd run in a race context. Because I, I, I joined the running club in, uh, in Truro in October, and um, I kind of, this challenge emerged around about February, March time this year. Um and to be honest, I didn't know that 24-hour races existed six months ago. And, and it seems as though they're increasingly popular. And of course, this year, you were back at the Wrapped Festival and winning, I understand, the, the ladies' version of the uh, Bring Out Your Dead, the Boyd, as they call it. This is true. So, yeah, I was pleased to maintain my 100% record of being first lady and third overall in <laughs> Mud Crew 24-hour events. So that does mean that I'm now beholden to kind of enter any future 24-hour events they might create. But so you've fun. never, as a, as, a, as a female runner, you've never lost, uh, you've never been beaten in a 24-hour race? Uh, no, two out of two so far. Oh, and um, Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. So how on earth do you, uh, you know, that first 24-hour one you did in Tintagel, um, how, how, tell me about how you found it, you know, how you coped with it. Because I'm assuming you didn't practice by running 24 hours in the build-up to it, or, or, or did you? Well, that's actually probably the first top tip. So absolutely, if for something like a marathon, you know, you kind of would maybe run around, you know, 20 miles, 22 miles, perhaps as your longest training run. For something like a 24-hour race, the amount of recovery that your body needs both physically and your sort of central nervous system from doing 24 hours you know you need months to recover from that so um personally i wouldn't really ever run more than about 30 35 40 miles in the build up to a long race
race because else you're just going to be either training when you're knackered or unable to kind of keep training because yeah. what you want to do is is build up your overall fitness yeah. and mental strength for something like that so during that event you know that first 24 hour tintagel event you you'd obviously you know, talked about making lots of preparation and meticulous planning but tell me what you were you know how was it feeling you know i mean you know tell me about if you can recall the thoughts you were having and the what was going through your mind and how you coped with keeping going and all that sort of stuff yeah so um i think kind of the thoughts that were going through my mind initially so we started at 6 p.m and it was a beautiful um, evening in may you know just the right temperature not too hot not too cold cornish sunset sunshine streaming over that lovely location so um, I mentioned before the importance of kind of rest and recovery so I'd spent the whole week leading up to the event resting you know eating really well so and not running so I was actually you know desperate for a brilliant run so the first kind of few hours were just glorious because it's perfect conditions my legs were really fresh um, and it was just and also by virtue of it being a loop you'd see people kind of all the time and wave at each other and cheer each other on so so that was that was brilliant really and then as the night starts to fall again you're kind of um you know overcome with the adrenaline to start with um the other thing to mention about ultra running because a lot of people think you run the whole time and it blows their mind but actually the main target is to keep going and to sort of you know not perish before the end of the race so it's quite nice because you see a hill and you're like oh it's a hill great I'll have a little walk now and then that kind of fatigues different parts of your legs differently because your calves get more fatigued from walking your quads get more fatigued from running so um, I always describe ultra running as a kind of series of walks and runs with a bit of a picnic in between. <laughs> okay, so and as that twenty four uh, first twenty four hours went on, were there any points where you know you had to really sort of say, "Come on, I've got to carry on," and you know, were you, were you in the marathon terms? Did you kind of hit the wall at any point, or were you really just wanting to give up and sit down and go to bed and sleep or something? So the night itself was actually pretty good. There was no kind of some people, you know, might hallucinate or, you know, people have fallen asleep standing up running and things. Didn't get any of that. I was quite lucky. And then it was around about oh, nine o'clock in the morning. So I'd been going for 15 hours then. And um, my heel developed this enormous blister, which then went pop and it Ooh. felt like my whole foot was on fire. Uh, so at that point, I, I then sort of, thought okay you know I've been going for 15 hours I'm more than halfway through but nine hours with a foot that's you know hurting like hell is is still a quite a long long time to last so um I did kind of have to grin and bear it from there on in and you know just accept that my pace was gonna go down and, and things were gonna hurt until until the finish really <laughs> I hope you're really enjoying this interview. If you'd like to come on the show and share your experiences, your expertise and your top tips in any area of running, particularly maybe around your journey to your first marathon or first ultra marathon, your training, including cross training, anything you've got on clothing, shoes and equipment, eating and drinking prior to and on the run, motivation and mindset, injury prevention, dealing with injuries, 
etc. Any of those areas that you'd like to come and share your experience and expertise on, that would be fantastic. So please do get in touch and we'll fix up an interview to get you on the show. The best way to get in touch is to probably email me via Trevor at trevorleemedia.co.uk and that's L-double-E for the Lee bit, so Trevor at trevorleemedia.co.uk or connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Okay, let's get back to the interview. And since then, of course, I think you've been on several other adventures. Um, am I right in thinking you went ultra running in Russia at some point this year? Oh well, I did. Yeah, I have. I did go to Russia. It was it was only a thirty-five k, which isn't quite an ultra because an ultra has to be anything oh. over forty-two k. Oh, okay. So, okay. Um, it was it was really interesting running in a different country and sort of you know completely different circumstance uh, but yeah I have to confess that one wasn't quite an ultra <laughs> although it was quite challenging yeah and what have you got on your calendar for the next sort of six or 12 months so my next ultra is going to be the Thames Trot which is a 50 mile race um, along the Thames as the name would indicate so you start at Oxford and finish up in Henley and uh, I decided this year that I'd like to sort of look at some different challenges. So I've mainly concentrated on coastal running previously with the kind of 24-hour races we've talked about and, and doing things locally like the Arc of Attrition in February. Um, I've done a few sort of races around Devon, sort of crossing of Dartmoor and things. So it's all been quite moorland and coastal, which is fantastic. But I decided that a new challenge would be to, to do some of the kind of dreaded road running. So this 50-mile race um, up in Oxford will be the first time that I've tried to test myself over kind of a long flat distance right okay okay so here I am I mean the, the whole purpose of you know of this podcast and, and, and you kindly agreeing to be interviewed is to try and give me some inspiration and some tips and motivation to take on you know my ultra running challenge in what is now less than two years time so can I can I delve into your experience with some top tips what would you offer what would you say to me about going from where I am now which is running sort of half marathon distance I suppose I've got two marathons in the bank but a long time ago uh, to well to 44 miles so what's your what do you reckon well first and foremost I would say that what you need to complete an ultra marathon you already have so you've got a hundred percent record of you know getting through bad days so far because you're sitting in front of me and you, you've managed to deal with challenges that work or life have thrown you in the past so what I always say to people is yes it will be mentally tough but you know everyone's had a bad day at work or a sleepless night because of something stressful so you've got that sphere of reference for getting through things that are unpleasant and um, you know no matter how long a race takes you whether it's five hours 10 hours 15 hours 24 hours you've definitely got through that sort of bad day that bad shift that bad personal issue that's lasted that long before so you need to rather than thinking about this being something you've never done before the mental side of it you've done that before you've got through bad things before um on a sort of more technical note yes you need to do some running um some kind of general fitness training i find really beneficial so i do um quite a lot of yoga weightlifting gymnastics things like that that will make your body more mobile and more able to be kind of resilient to challenges uh, that you might face along the route and I guess 
the kind of final thing that might sound obvious, but some people um, don't, you know, it hasn't occurred to them is, is the eating and drinking. Uh-huh. So I talked about, yeah, it being a series of walks, runs and, and picnics. So the more you can eat and drink, there's a direct correlation with, you know, sustaining your levels of energy and fortitude. And one or two people on, 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 on this podcast so far, Anna, have, have, have shared a few eating things that they do. So what 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 are you what do you turn to when it's eating as far as you're concerned? So again, I as I'm a, a planner by heart, so <laughs> I try to kind of I'll make myself a list of kind of, you know, try I try to alternate sweet and savory so you kind of don't get teeth fur or get kind of, you know, a bit queasy from having the same thing. I would definitely say try the food in training to make sure it suits your tummy. It's what suits my tummy might not suit yours. But my a, two, a couple of my favourite um, kind of high calorie, healthy um, snacks for running are um, corned beef and cheese because you don't have to use up any energy chewing it, and there's loads of kind of corned you know, beef and cheese. Yeah, Goodness lots of me. natural right. fat and protein in there. Um, you know, within sort of um, a couple of um, chews, you've got you know 250, 300 calories packed away. So hang on, how how are you? Uh, I'm invisible. Corned beef. I haven't heard about anyone talk about corned beef. <laughs> no, you won't have done. <laughs> I've got this vision in my mind of a corned beef tin with a with a, a pull back lid, and you kind of plonk it out, a bit like sort of a luncheon meat. Or something <laughs> like that. So, I'm I'm intrigued to know how you carrying the corned beef with you i'm presuming you're not taking the tin with you so no so it's a so it's a slice so slices of corned beef slices of cheese um like a breadless sandwich basically so um place of slice of cheese um and a slice of corned beef on top of each other fold in half wrap up in a bit of foil and, and pop into your running pack Oh, any, any particular sort of cheese or? Uh, well, I tend to just use, uh, I use Gouda. I don't think it's a <laughs> kind of um, a specific kind of, you know, benefit to use Gouda over any of the others. Um, uh, but the kind of, you know, for it to be convenient to fold a sliced one is, is easier than slicing yeah. it yourself. And do you have any sort of favourite uh, drinking things, isotonic drinks or whatever you might take with you? So I I use... I generally try to alternate plain water um, and caffeinated drinks so that it helps you to kind of, you know, stay awake, informs your body that you're going to be doing exercise and that you need to to be focused. Uh, But I also do for the super long events or, or where you might be starting to get fatigued. I use hazelnut milk because that's another way of getting some calories on board. It's very kind of gentle on your tummy. Uh, and it's also something that's kind of not fizzy and not too cold. So if the weather is adverse or you've had quite a lot of Coke or Red Bull in a bid to kind of get caffeine in, you might be a bit fed up of that and actually want something that tastes quite plain, but you're still getting some calories and hydration on board. Because Colin, who uh, I've interviewed Colin, as I think I mentioned, who won the, who was the male winner of the Void. Yes. He talked about uh, mini cheddars 
and flat coke. Ah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like the fizzy drinks to go flat beforehand. So I don't actually mind whether they're fizzy or flat. You do just need to remember that if you're putting in them in your bottles, you need to let them go flat beforehand or else you'll get a huge mouthful of carbon dioxide mm. um, when you try to drink from them, which isn't very pleasant. And, and, and are you drinking and eating when you're feeling thirsty and hungry or uh, as part of your meticulous planning, are you sort of saying, right... It's now time for corned beef and cheese. Yeah, so pretty much the latter. I would try to eat and drink every hour. Um, so if you get hungry, then you've left it too long, basically. You shouldn't be getting hungry on something like this. So I'd say normally going along, you'd probably use up about 500 calories an hour running. But you'll be using more calories than that because you use calories by being awake anyway. And as you progress, your body will be going into an advanced state of duress. So you need to be, as a minimum, trying to put in four or five hundred calories to deal with the fact that you're expending maybe seven, eight hundred calories an hour. So that sounds great, doesn't it? But it's, you know, you obviously can't kind of, you know, trough down a cheesecake whilst running on the coast path. So I, I try and drink about sort of 500 mils of liquid maybe something like a fruit juice or a coke that's going to have quite a few calories in it and then eat sort of about 300 of the calories whether that's corned beef and cheese or sweets or kind of rice crispy squares or um, gingerbread flapjack or, or something that's going that I've tried and tested and is going to be quite um, easy on the insides but kind of crucially get quite a lot of calories down in one go. So um uh, I ought to be identifying things I might try and eat and then get out there and do a bit of running and practice eating, really. Yeah, practicing eating is something that's ironically sounds a bit weird, but is more of a key to finishing than, than not. And practicing in different temperatures as well, because what goes down fine, um, sort of in the spring or the autumn, might be very different to what goes down fine in the winter or the summer so for example in the winter some of the foods you like might get really hard in the cold and then it's mm. a real pain to have to try and break your teeth chewing through them while you're already kind of miserable from being cold uh, and I know you're doing the classic quarter for your challenge so um, that's a summer event so if it's boiling weather that can make some people more prone to feeling nauseous so you might want to kind of have uh, some default things that you know you can keep down without feeling ill in the hotter weather. And um, what about eating in the in the build up to the event? You know the sort of carbo loading term. What yeah. what do you do? You do anything particular for that? So I kind of I eat quite a lot of fruit and vegetables. So I eat eight to ten servings of fruit and vegetables a day. My diet is quite focused around fruit and veg and kind of natural proteins and fats. So uh, I don't really um, do carbo loading as such. I just eat more calories than normal, but of the same things. And I'd say to anyone, it's important to eat 
similarly to how you eat normally because else um, if you don't normally eat you know loads of pizza or pasta and then you try and carb load on pizza and pasta before the race you run the risk of upsetting your tummy or and your kind of mood hormones are formed in the gut as well so if you're kind of putting something into your gut that you don't normally have you run the risk of making yourself feel ill and also affecting your mood which is crucial in the immediate kind of build-up so I usually eat the same thing the week before and then the week leading up to a race um, is quite fun because each day I eat slightly more calories so um, probably the beginning of the week I'll eat 10% more calories than usual and then the sort of two or three days before I'll eat about 20% more calories than usual. Great stuff well that's that's really useful and through Make Me A Plan you you do offer plans for people who are looking to do grow their health and fitness is that right yes so and um, we do love a good cheesy pun at make me a plan so we're, <laughs> we say we're helping people to feel fantastic um, <laughs> that might be through a nutrition plan a training plan for your first ultra or we do some combinations that um, are either called things like healthy habits or feel plantastic which will kind of look at everything you're doing so you might have sort of started out running and be doing reasonably well at that but um, are you kind of really stressed out are you sleeping enough are you kind of getting your nutrition geared around supporting your training to its best so we look into all those kind of things and hopefully uh, use our expertise to, to help people achieve their goals. And Anna, how can people find out and get hold of you to talk to you about or communicate with you about Make Me A Plan? Sure. So we're quite active on social media. So whether Instagram, Twitter or Facebook is your poison, pop along, give us a follow. There's daily content uploaded on all of those um, media so with lots of sort of free tips uh, we run a couple of blogs so there's a working well blog uh, which is about workplace productivity but with a bit of a kind of personal slant on that uh, a relationship with yourself blog which looks at you know that kind of getting a work-life balance fitting in your hobbies uh, we also do a philosopher in residence blog which kind of looks at any any kind of issues you might have but that's quite useful on the kind of balancing the mental side of things with a view to ultra running uh, and obviously we have a website which is again makemeaplan.com so search for us and find us and get in touch with any queries you might have that all sounds terrific Anna. Very much appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing your top ideas and tips. And uh, the best of luck. When is the Thames Path? That's the 26th of October. Okay, so very best of luck with that. Enjoy that. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, if anybody else is listening to this and would like to come on and share some top tips and ideas, then do please get in touch. Uh, best thing to do is find me on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn or somewhere like that, and we'll fix up uh, an interview like we've just done with Anna. So... Thank you very much once again, Anna. Thank you very much. My pleasure. That's it for another episode of 44 at 60. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review on your podcast app or wherever you download the podcast from. And we hope you've been inspired to get your running shoes on. <laughs>